0: Welcome to Simplifying DevOps, a podcast sponsored by CDW. I'm your host, Rachel Airy. This series is dedicated to breaking down the concepts and methodologies of DevOps, as well as the world known as digital transformation. We're looking to cut through the noise and break down barriers of learning for individuals who may not be developers or engineers. Welcome back to Simplifying DevOps. Mitch and I are here with Jeff Falcon and Kyle Jepson, talk a little bit more about how we integrate security best practices earlier into the application development and delivery process for better success. Guys, you want to give us a quick overview of your backgrounds? Jeff, you first.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Thank you, Rachel. So um, I'm Jeff Falcon. I'm one of our cybersecurity practice leads here at CDW. Um, I've been with CDW now uh, just a, a little bit over 21 years. Um, been working in the cybersecurity space, um, also known as the information security and assurance space. It's taken on a couple of different iterations of its name over the past couple of decades. Um, my, my role here is to help our customers navigate um, cybersecurity risk, um, help um, understand uh, the depths and nuances of our um, capabilities here at CDW, um, and help drive the right outcomes when it comes to helping uh, building uh, secure maturity uh, programs, Um, and navigating the full landscape of uh, technologies and solutions out in the market.
0: Thanks, Jeff. Kyle, can you tell us a little bit about your background?
2: Kyle Jepson, I'm a a field solution architect at CDW with our pre-sales DevOps team. Uh, My role here is to kind of help customers with navigating some of the complexity around open source ecosystems, around um, some of the more cloud native spaces. Uh, talking about technologies like Kubernetes, navigating the the software development lifecycle, and um, and the ancillary technologies that support customers in accelerating their their software development activities.
3: Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Jeff. All right, intros are done. Let's jump right in. Um, I I think um, I'm glad that we got you both on. I love talking security because I think it is a bit. Of an afterthought, uh, and not only when we talk about DevOps, uh, I think in general security can be an afterthought with our customers um, so our what Rachel and I have focused on are our customers are starting to interact with their customers more digitally right so they're um, they're essentially becoming software companies they're putting applications out there their customers are using those applications and naturally i think that exposes expands that attack vector uh, that bad actors can well for sounding repetitive attack Um, so if we go backwards a little bit i think we need to touch on you know these companies are becoming software companies the big buzzword i hear in security is shift left but i don't think we can talk about what shift left means unless we talk a little bit about the software development lifecycle. Uh, and Kyle, I'd like you to touch on sort of that, that process before we can understand what shifting left means.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mitch. Um, the, the software development lifecycle really is about all of the activities that take place with regard to creating software and getting usable software, usable features into production. So that starts with planning that goes into, you know, your developers utilizing an an IDE or some coding tools. You go into your commit stages, um, which is about committing code into a place that teams can all work together on that code where it's referenceable, where it's auditable. Then we go into some test phases where we're gonna test the feature functionality. We're gonna um, have a number of criteria that is associated with whether or not that is an acceptable piece of software and moving that into the the phases where we get into um, uh, deployment activities. You move it through your your development environment into QA, into your staging environment, then ultimately promote those uh, software packages or or, uh, that code into uh, production. Um, And so when you think about that, you you have to think about it as kind of a timeline where, you know, your planning phases are on the left-hand side and your production phases are all on the right-hand side. So when we talk about shifting left, that's really about viewing the timeline of the the development activities that take place and how do we shift those activities earlier within the software development lifecycle. So shifting left, you know, from right to left
3: gotcha so so let me let me just make sure i'm understanding this Kyle so ideally not ideally what we want to do is move the consideration for architecting and building in security into our software assets we want to shift that left earlier in the process of developing said asset right so when we are planning a feature functionality new app whatever it is we want the we want to be taking into consideration uh, into consideration security as early as possible in that planning phase. Am I, am yeah, I understanding no, that right?
2: Absolutely, and the reason why that is is because if we wait until we get into production phases and we're, we're ready to go live on, on a product um, and then we go to security and then we find a problem, now all of a sudden we've got to walk that whole process back to the beginning to be able to address those, those security risks. So if we can architect for security at the beginning, at the planning phases, if we can embed controls and visibility and tools into each phase of the software development lifecycle, then ultimately what we get is higher quality products into production more quickly. And we can address those security considerations at the place that those security considerations should be addressed, where where your developer is, is kind of hands on keyboard, they're working through things. They can they can address whether or not they need to uh, make an architectural change or use a different package or um, you know maybe we maybe we are going to pause and and we have to address that later. But at least we know and we have visibility into what that what security considerations we should have much much earlier in the process and not waiting until the very last minute to consider the ramifications of the decisions that we've made. Yeah, Kyle, I might add on to some of
1: that. Mitch, um, also just, you know, thinking about this from the security practitioner perspective, this is a a, a a cultural shift in the way that security or information security and risk management is viewed within the organization. Um, I'll just I'll just say it simply. Um culturally, security is Viewed within an organization um, as as an afterthought, like we've uh, touched on a little bit, we're added on to the back end of a project. Um, we're brought to the table when things are pretty much considered ready for rollout. Um, and to start thinking about what this does for us um, from a security perspective, um, again, like Kyle mentioned, chronologically, we're looking at it from a timeline where we're starting the process out step one with security and safety built from the ground up and, um, uh, that forces, um, uh, organizations to work with talk, collaborate, share information, knowledge, and, uh, effectively, uh, hit your, uh, your goals and, and, and the things that you're looking to do from an organizational standpoint in a much more efficient fashion, uh, versus having to rewind and start from scratch again. That's the whole spirit of, um, uh, m- m- developing software in that fashion of 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 a CI/CD pipeline is fast frictionless safe secure release um, it's 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 refreshing that security practitioners can be brought in early and often to these conversations to manage risk effectively to to drive those those business outcomes that are needed here
0: thanks jeff and would you say that that cultural challenge originated maybe in a an old school belief that if you maybe brought in the security teams too early that might delay or overly complicate a project. And so then as a result, security teams were sort of pushed off to a corner and then consulted at the last minute or what drove that initial um, challenge in keeping security separate from the overall app dev project.
1: Absolutely. It's a, it's a great point, Rachel. And that's just um, part of um, a decades long, just embedded culture of um the, the security team being looked at as the department of no. <laughs> you, you come to us and the answer is automatically no. And, and, and part of that is our own doing, where you know whether it's regulatory or compliance driven and there's check boxes that are missing and we have to go back and review them and satisfy them and move the production back into a safe and secure manner. Or if it's just architecturally driven where um, we did the old fashioned thing of rolling out a Visio diagram and uh, looked at the um, the network team's design, or looked at the application team's uh, structure of how they're going to put software together. And we're missing controls, we're missing firewalls, we're missing the things that just fundamentally ought to be in the right place from an architectural standpoint. And we send it back to square one. So um, because uh, this, it's almost like this cycle or this this uh, this loop has been created where um, uh, we just naturally get brought in at the end, uh, but then there's some hesitancy and some resistance to to working with us because um, the the uh, the perception is is that we're going to slow things down or stop them or send them back to square one. So let's let's look at ways to bypass that or just not bring them in at all. And I think um, when you look at some of some of the industry's luminaries and um, the, the, some of the, the the thought leaders and speakers and folks that are out there in our in our world. Um, Fundamentally, we start to look at some some theories like the, the, the more secure you make something, the less secure it actually becomes. And what I mean by that is when you start placing delays, objects, friction, um, or just standing in the way of good, well-intended people who want to get their job done, um, human nature would argue that we're just gonna find a way around that. It's almost like that proverbial placing a boulder in the middle of a river. The water is gonna find a way to flow around it. No matter how big of a boulder you put in, water always wins. And it's the same type of thing with security, right? If we make things so restrictive, um, so delayed, so painful from a user experience or developer experience, um, the natural human reflex is just going to be, let's work a way around it and that's it. So you're, you're actually, it, it becomes a counterintuitive exercise to try to make things overly secure. And so that's what I love about bringing this full circle, bringing this back to shift left, which is we're working together, we're collaborating, we're starting together, we're in lockstep from square one. It's revolutionary. So I'm glad that uh, this is a topic that is refreshing and very fascinating all at the same time. It's finally happening as, as some of the security guys say.
2: I know, I'd like to add to that and, and just point out for, for a moment that you know, this this term shifting left on security and, and where did some of these things come from? It was really well understood through some of the the research that had been done on, on culture and high performing organizations that were, were doing a fantastic job of delivering software more quickly, more securely. Um, that it was always a core tenant that we had to bring security in to have these discussions earlier on in, in the phases of planning. Um, and what we, what we sometimes forget is that that was, that was baked into the term DevOps from a security standpoint. And there's there's been a lot of movement recently around shifting the term to DevSecOps uh, or SecDevOps. I mean, everybody's got a little bit of a different flavor on how they, they say that, but I prefer DevSecOps Uh, or, or just DevOps is fine. Um, but how do you change culture to be able to, to become more high performing as an organization? The important thing is that we, we have to consider security as built into the process and that, you know, whatever you decide to call it, if it helps to be able to make sure that we're considering security as a part of the process, then I think it's perfectly acceptable to call it DevSecOps or just DevOps. It's it's all the same to me, but but we, we definitely know from research that high-performing organizations have to consider security earlier on in, in the, the software development lifecycle or, or STLC.
1: Yeah, because Kyle, I mean, um, part of this whole package, when we look at unpacking, if you will, all of the various attributes that make up safe. Secure, fast, efficient delivery of code. There's a purpose behind it. I'll talk about that in just a moment. I have some ideas or some thoughts on that. But at the same time, um, one of one of our lingering challenges within cybersecurity as a whole is the concept of vulnerability management. Vulnerability management as a um, a, a, a discipline that, quite frankly, has not um, matured or evolved all that much over the course of time. And there's different ways to to categorize and to break down what vulnerabilities are and what they mean to the business. But in essence, we, as an industry, and this is, this is back to, you know, our cybersecurity industry specifically, we really haven't moved the needle in proportion to the, the volume and, and the surface area uh, exposure um, of, of where threats can execute against these vulnerabilities. It's become large and complex. Um, we, we, we haven't even factored in yet um, some of the, the lingo and acumen, acumen and acronyms in my um, world, such as TTPs. Those are tactics, techniques, and procedures of determined adversaries. So where I'm going with that is there are natural, inherent systemic vulnerabilities that occur just when you build software. But then if you look at this from a cybersecurity standpoint, you look at um, we have something working against us which are individuals or groups of individuals who are determined to cause harm. And what I mean by that is um, we have uh, organizations like cyber criminals looking to steal confidential information, looking to steal source code, looking to steal regulatory information which are able to be monetized. We have cyber criminal activity that is uh, looking to inject failure in systems so they can steal money. Um, it's all sorts of things. And if you even took it a notch above and you started working with high profile or um, highly regulated organizations, we have another stack of um, adversaries that are nation state sponsored. And so these are um, actually um, uh, sponsored by various um, organizations across the globe that are looking to um Um, inflict uh, an an order of magnitude of harm that in some cases is um, almost uh, practically indefensible for the average organization out there. So what I mean by that is we look at vulnerabilities. We look at human behavior and nature and how we structure and how we we build and we run code. But at the same time, we have to be reminded that we have other attributes working against us that um, can also expose weaknesses in software builds. Um, from a vulnerability standpoint, and those can be exploited by individuals or or, or criminal organizations. It's another little dimension of cybersecurity that comes into the picture when we're building out software um, for, for the purposes of our organization and for our customers.
0: Thanks, Jeff. And so, guys, dive in a little bit more for me on the overall business outcomes that we're driving here. We could make some assumptions, you know, you've talked about the culture side of that, talk about um, some of the specifics on uh, your bad actors, et cetera. But talk to me about why it seems like you might want to slow down a little bit to speed up by incorporating security earlier into the cycle and, and what um, that ultimately drives. Because what it seems to be is that uh, when you're able to account for the concerns that security might have, we're able to pass audits, checks, and and make sure that we're able to ultimately release code faster, right? So, what are some of those other outcomes that that we get when we're taking on those best practices?
2: Yeah,
1: I can. Um, I'll start this off, and Kyle, we can we can kind of look at this together from different perspectives. But you know, ultimately, um, as, as 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 I was thinking through this, you know, it's 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 wonderful that we have these concepts of fast, safe release of software. We're building applications, we're coding, um, but we're doing it for a purpose. Organizations are doing it for a purpose. And so uh, w- if we look at kind of some of the opening thoughts and comments and um, we, we, we live in a day and an age now where um, practically just about any industry out there, vertical market segment, Um, In some way, shape, or form is a a technology company or software company, and they acquire data in some way, shape, or form. And so if we think about leveraging that data to achieve our outcomes, to become more competitive in the market, or to serve the mission of our institution, um, whether that be financial or uh, in a business that's here to drive revenue, or if we're in the healthcare space for patient care, um, for, you know, in in education, and we're looking to deliver and to expedite and to scale um, educational resources around the globe. Uh, that could be the mission of your institution. So, whatever that might be. And so, if we look at the outcome of, uh, or the various outcomes of, of of delivering software, building applications, let's look at business health, for example. Um, you know, one particular segment might be retail. So, what's the benefit? What's the outcome that? A retail institution might want to derive from um, their software applications, um, their customer reach that they're placing in the hands of um, thousands and thousands, millions and millions of mobile devices on the planet, right? So they could be looking at things like um, monitoring and alerting and measuring of business KPIs. So, um, are there how many thousands of sessions are happening on our website? Are there loyalty points being used? Um, what's our conversion rate from one particular um, model of clothing versus another? Um, how many orders have we transacted today? What are our total sales? Right. So having those having those metrics and then having the ability to understand why things are hap- happening at a component level with those applications um, can help us with the overall. Um, awareness and knowledge to make informed decisions around business health. We can look at things like um, a user journey, for example. That's another type of outcome. A user journey could be, um, a great example might be in the insurance or the financial uh, markets, uh, where uh, let's, let's take an example like loan processing. How many applications do we have submitted today? What is our data showing us? Um, Where are there some hangups with credit checks? Are there loan approvals in process? How are we trending today? What does it look like down to the hour, to the minute, to the second? How is the application performing? Um, We can look at this um, across all different types of um, use cases, uh, even including release validation. So the building of software, um, modeling and understanding um, the Outcomes of each and every one of these use cases um, has some type of uh, impact on a business, uh, regardless of what industry you're in. So, um, those are a couple of examples. Uh, every institution, every business has some type of initiative to use technology to their advantage, and having having an understanding of how that software is um, uh, making the, the 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 or arriving at the intended outcomes of of that user experience through that application is really where. Uh, the trends in, in 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 mobile activity and mobile development uh, software is happening.
2: Yeah, and from my perspective, I mean, it, just to boil that down, it's fast feedback loops to to the business on the the states of various business aspects. Um, you're talking about being able to experiment more quickly. You're talking about uh, running those experiments more frequently so that we can understand what the impact of change is across the entire business. Also, you know, we, from a business outcome perspective as well, we have to consider the internal. And so when you talk about some of the regular DevOps components, leveraging infrastructure as code or or automation, by leveraging automation, we're unlocking a lot of the the ability for existing staff members or to, to do more with, with less. We're, we're talking about the ability of teams to uh, take off of their plate things that they have to do frequently that are not value-add to the business and focus more on value-added activities, things that we do that inherently add value into our value streams, which is all of the stuff that goes into Um, delivering a a fantastic customer experience to delight customers with the things that we're building and the services that we're providing. So um, from a security standpoint too, we can start talking about things like security as code or or configuration as code, where what we're doing is we're taking all of the things that normally have to be done manually and we're expressing them in a way that is machine readable so that we can automate those processes so audits are faster. Uh, addressing change control within the the organization can happen more quickly. Um, we're able to do more of these activities with less effort, and then uh, we know how to address change within the organization more quickly.
1: Yeah, Kyle, the uh, another way that I I can try to sum. Uh, a lot of this, up to from a business outcome standpoint, is to look at the application as as the as the benchmark or the high watermark for brand loyalty, and and, and that's how your organization or your institution gets um, uh, associated with um, the the type of activity that. Your customers are going to interact with you or not. They're going to make that decision based on their experience with your mobile application, or your software, your website, whether or not they're going to process that loan, um, continue to do business with you. Um, it's it's a new way to get closer to customers. Um, it's it's that customer intimacy. It's that that using analytics and those actionable insights to 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 drive change and to iterate on the platform. You know I, I you know I look at a day and age when we traveled and moved around a little bit more freely. And it was kind of like, wow, what if I didn't have my mobile phone with me? You know, I made an airline reservation with my application. I summoned a vehicle with a mobile application. I booked a hotel with a mobile application. I even had keyless entry, by the way. Um, If I wanted to shop around and didn't like that hotel, I could have um, looked at uh, maybe a, a house for rent and maybe stayed in a facility that was renting a house on a mobile application. Um, and heck, if I wanted to buy that house, I could have opened up a mortgage lending application, get pre-qualified for a loan, and maybe put a down payment on a house, all without talking to anybody, <laughs> which I think is, the the again, the, the emphasis on the user experience and the quality and the safety and the security that's built into that code to differentiate yourself as an organization in this market, to have new routes to market, to tap into a new generation of customers that use Mobility and applications as their method of communication, um, and and all of these are done through um, the application code review process that we're talking about today. Um, it's just the way of the future, and um, uh, those are just little examples. I'm sure there's many more out there. Uh, but you know, you think of shopping and education and telemedicine. Um, sky's the limit. So um, the application is really that 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 benchmark for for. How customers measure um, their loyalty to you. It's as simple as
2: that. Couldn't agree more. I just want to know what kind of trips you're going on <laughs> where you're buying houses, <laughs> shopping, shopping for shopping, houses. Uh, yeah, shopping. If you're going on a business trip and you're buying houses, <laughs> the power of mobility and
1: applications at our fingertips. <laughs>
2: It'll start to happen in a few years,
3: Kyle. Like we're we're just not at Jeff's level yet. Of course. It's coming. Yeah. Um, So this probably couldn't have come. This conversation probably couldn't have been scheduled better. You guys are literally probably hitting hitting on every single topic that we have been um, touching upon and trying to bring everything back to, right? Where we want to focus on business outcomes, um when we talk about devops there's a huge cultural aspect to it um i want to pick on that a little bit jeff when you're out there talking to organizations how are they getting started making that that change are they doing little wins and and then trying to you know you know scale that across the wider organization um how do you see folks sort of starting this journey of shifting left
1: yeah mitch i mean you know i think there's a the, the first the, the very first area that needs to be focused on, or the, the topic of discussion has to be brought to the attention of the organization is um, a, a fundamental shift to for, for the interim park the concept of having to purchase a product or a technology to fix a problem um w- when we look at security tools compensating controls whether again whether it's regulatory um, or compliance driven um we there's a, there's there's this old school natural reflex to check the box and if there's not a check in that box then i need to buy something to fill that check box um when we look at devops we look at shifting left so much of this is placed on the culture. So much of this is placed on a fundamental shift in how the organization is, is culturally aligned to collaborate, to share, to be aligned to the same types of goals. Many of these um, talking points that I'm discussing at a, discussing at a very high level are um, able to be tied back to um, management philosophies, various management philosophies, which is really the, you know, if you look at the genesis of DevOps and where this comes from, um, uh, there, there are books that go back to the 1970s and how um, quality management, efficiency, process improvements, heck, you might even argue that this goes all the way back to um, the, the early days of the automobile and um, streamlining the processes of of, of of the automobile assembly line and what that um, really did to transformationally change how automobiles were manufactured. We're really taking some of those same fundamental concepts and we're placing them into modern day conversations around software security. And what I mean by that is, um, that is that first step really is having an organization look at itself. Many of the things that Kyle kind of talked about earlier, which was um, understand what your goals are of an organization. What would be the benefit to um, taking this um, this plunge into trying to build out operations development processes and to, and to really move IT from um, a cost center to a keep the lights on organization to an innovation um, uh, set of capabilities where we're actually driving business outcomes. We're leveraging technology, we're building IT into our processes so we can we can do the things that we want to do, reach out to new customers fundamentally change the way that we've been doing business, tap into new markets, be agile, be in position to move into m and type of activity, um, be able to make decisions based on data that take, quite frankly, um, uh, a, a comprehensive approach to um, understanding the, the outcomes without having to um, get bogged down in um, politics or emotion. We're using data to our advantage to make those decisions in a fast, flexible way. So once once organizations start to uh, realize that there's a cultural uh, shift that has to occur, uh, which is no small feat. I'm not suggesting uh, this happens overnight, Um, but this really happens through um, uh, consulting and uh, understanding where you are as a business, where you want to go. And in many organizations, it starts to sound like conversations that revolve around the concept of digital transformation. How are we going to digitize our workflows, our processes um, to to evolve? And in in many cases, these are organizations that have been around 50, 75, 100, 150 years, and they haven't had to necessarily go through this um, fast and extensive of of, of, a, of a change, it's, it's, it's usually just happened uh, over the course of many decades. Um, but there's a critical and a, and a very pivotal point right now in many organizations um, uh, evolution here, uh, which is you know having to take a really good hard look at leveraging the benefits of cloud, of mobility, of what it means to their business and serving their customers and expanding and growing. If those are the things they wanna achieve, you have to leverage technology to do this. And if you're an organization that acquires data, uses data, builds data, software, applications, um, there's, there's no better way to start this process than to start thinking about the cultural change that's going to be necessary to take place to, to bring organizational components, work groups, business units together, to start collaborating on this mission together. Um, and, and again, I want to emphasize that's no small feat. This is not an overnight journey. This is not a pivot over on a Friday and on Monday you wake up and you're uh, underway with this digital transformation initiative. Um, there are many attributes that go into the, the build out and the strategy of this, but it really has to start with people. It has to start with a, a mission and it has to be endorsed and supported by leaders and leadership that want to drive and, and, and guide an organization through this transformation. That's where it all starts the technology piece will come the technology piece will come um we just can't solve this with uh technology alone
0: thanks jeff i think that's a really critical piece that that i'd like to end on really is that that cultural component is is probably first and foremost you know we have to integrate the importance of security into the overall workforce culture, whether you're from the security team or the DevOps team or developers infrastructure, um, all of those individuals need to have a stake in the eventual outcome and, and to be bought in on that culture so that creating an improved practice with those uh, thoughts in mind really ultimately brings a faster, easier to implement security uh, practice overall. right? Deal. Well, Kyle, any other parting words from you we've heard from Jeff as we start to wrap?
2: No, I just appreciate you having us. Um, you know, there there are many considerations that are unique within the cloud native space around security, around instrumentation of and visibility into the software development lifecycle. So, you know, at some point, maybe we can get into to some more specifics around the, the types of things that you need in place to be able to get proper visibility to avoid um, pitfalls of, and, and potential attack vectors that exist within the, the SDLC and that are unique to cloud native. Um, I think that I'd like to, to see us explore those concepts a little bit more, um, but yeah, I think Jeff summed it up fantastically.
0: Yeah, thanks. I agree. We uh, really appreciate having you guys on and definitely want to have you back so that we can dive into this uh, with a specific focus on how it relates to cloud native technology and um, some of those best practices as well. But with that, this is Rachel Airy and Mitch Kronbach signing off from Simplifying DevOps. Thanks for listening with us here at Simplifying DevOps. We hope you tune in for more episodes as we continue to dive down this path of all things DevOps and understand more about the paradigm shift that we've seen revolutionize the IT world.